When you work, you work next level. And when you play, you play next level. And when it's time to sleep, Sleep Number smart beds are designed to embrace your uniqueness, providing you with high-quality sleep every night. Sleep next level. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Good evening, everyone. I'm Laura Coates, and this is CNN Tonight. Our breaking news, a brand new forecast for Hurricane Adalia. The storm rapidly intensifying as it's lashing Florida ahead of what is feared to be a catastrophic landfall on the state's west coast in just a matter of hours. Potentially deadly storm surge and hurricane conditions expected not only tonight, but also tomorrow. Officials say that the surge could be a once-in-a-lifetime event. Adalia is now a Category 2 with maximum winds of 110 miles an hour. It's now forecast to become a powerful Category 4 before landfall tomorrow morning. You've got 49 Florida counties that are under states of emergency as we speak and as they are waiting to see what the next few hours will bring. We'll be covering everything as only CNN can tonight. We've got teams out across the entire storm zone. We've got Chad Myers in the CNN Weather Center. Carlos Suarez is in Tampa. Brian Todd is in St. Mark's, Florida. And Gloria Pasmino is in Clearwater. I want to get right now to the brand new forecast with Chad Myers in the Weather Center. What's happening? Just the new banner from the National Hurricane Center um, just saying that this will be a 130 mile per hour category four at landfall. And so that's not going to change the surge much. Some surges have gone from 10 to 15. Now they push them up to 12 to 16. Let me show you where they are. There is the eye. And it is a dangerous eye. When you see an eye on a hurricane, it is either really remaining very, very strong or gaining strength. And because we haven't seen an eye all day, now we know that this is in the gaining strength category. Hurricane hunters are flying back and forth through it, but look at that impressive eye right there. This storm is just gaining more strength, so going from 110 to 130 just in the next really nine hours is going to be an impressive intensification here as the category four right there, not that far from all of our reporters that are up there in that Big Bend area. Here's the rainfall though on the radar. It actually can be seen from Tampa and also from Key West. Some of these storms here on this outer band, they could contain some tornadoes tonight. Make sure you have a way to get your warnings tonight. Something else here, though, I think. 110 mile per hour winds and even gusts all the way across the Florida Georgia line. And then finally, a hurricane still for Jekyll, for New Brunswick, all the way there to almost Jacksonville, Florida. Because this storm is going to be moving so quickly, not losing a lot of strength, those winds will stay with the storm. And so therefore, those winds will continue to knock trees down, knock power lines down. This will be a massive cleanup effort when it comes to hundreds of thousands of pine trees that exist up here in the northern part of Florida, trying to get them out of the roadways. I suspect probably 100 mile per hour winds all the way to I-10. That would certainly put a kibosh on any travel across there until they get those trees out of the way. 
This will be a real long duration power outage event. And then we're going to take a look at how much rainfall is going to come in Georgia and through the Carolinas. So you have to be very careful where you've evacuated to because there will be flash flooding here in those six to 10 inch rainfall areas just to the north along the same line. Lots of things going on, lots of moving parts, and I'm afraid that a lot of these parts are, are going to really go badly for the next few hours here until landfall happens somewhere just after sunrise tomorrow. But up here on the top, up near St. Mark's, where our Brian Todd is, now we're looking at a very significant, significant landfall when it comes to that storm surge. Chad Myers, 110 mile per hour wind. Thank you so much. We'll yeah. keep everyone on and focused about this. CNN's Carlos Suarez is in Tampa, where the police chief warned residents, turn around, don't drown. Carlos, are you seeing some signs of Adalia's arrival? Yeah, there is no doubt uh, that we are seeing this hurricane uh, pass the Tampa Bay area just offshore here. Uh, we have been at this location since about noon, and this is the worst of the weather. Uh, it has been raining for the better part of an hour, and uh, the wind has picked up. We expect this bad weather to go uh, well into the night and into tomorrow, where really the concern for the Tampa Bay area, really all of Hillsborough County, uh, is going to be the storm surge associated with this hurricane, the flooding that is going to come out of this. Uh, as we head into tomorrow, the concern from emergency officials, uh, what Chad was just uh, outlining there a few uh, minutes ago, at least in this part of Florida, is that we're going to see this uh, hurricane pass us by. It's going to push all of this water into the Tampa Bay, and then you're going to see all of this rain that is going to fall over the next 6 to 12 hours, and then you need to mix into that high tide, king tide, and once those three things happen, that is when they believe we are going to see some significant flooding out here. We're talking about a storm surge anywhere between two to four, even six feet when all is said and done. And so emergency officials really have spent the better part of the day trying to get folks that live in these low-lying areas of Hillsborough County to go ahead and move inland. They want them to go to a hurricane shelter. They want them to get away from these low-lying areas. Uh, we know that there are two mandatory evacuation orders that have been in place for the better part of the day. One of those orders is right here in Hillsborough County, which again is home to the Tampa Bay area. Uh, the other is just to the west of me. That's in Pinellas County. That is home to St. Pete as well as Clearwater. And we're told that there has been some reports of flooding there. Uh, again, right now, Laura, this is the worst of the weather that we have seen, though when you take a look at the radar, of course, it explains why it's happening. We have that hurricane that is now off to the west of uh, the Tampa Bay area. Uh, having, again, uh, spent the better part of the day out here, uh, we were talking talking to a number of folks that came out to this location and they told us, look, we don't think it's going to be as bad considering how things are right now. So a lot of the folks that we came across told us, look, we're not going to evacuate. We're not going to go inland. That's a message that emergency officials really don't want to hear because the concern going into tonight and then tomorrow is that then we're going to start seeing this storm surge. And so the last thing that uh, emergency officials want are folks to be complacent and to be out and about thinking that uh, the, the worst of the storm has passed the spy, which by and large will have, but the impact that we're going to see uh, when it comes to this uh, storm surge and all of this flooding, we're not going to see until sometime tomorrow morning into the early afternoon. Laura? I mean, 
anywhere from two to six feet of storm surge. Carlos Torres, thank you so much. Brian Todd is here with us in St. Mark's, Florida, where the National Weather Service is warning that Hurricane Adalia is an unprecedented event, like no storm ever seen before in that area. Brian? Laura, in just a matter of hours from now, this place where I'm standing is not expected to be very safe. We're in the town of St. Mark's, Florida, and a local emergency management official told us a short time ago that the entire town of St. Mark's is expected to be flooded when the storm is at its peak on Wednesday morning. Uh, what we can tell you is that we're right by three bodies of water. This is the St. Mark's River. The Wakala River is just down that way downstream, and the Appalachie Bay is just beyond it. You can maybe see some of the flashes of lightning over my shoulder as the storm approaches here. Uh, because uh, the Appalachie Bay has never seen a storm as strong as a Category 3 in recorded history, there's no real barometer to tell how this area is going to be able to absorb the hit of this storm when it comes ashore. Uh, but again, what we're told is between six and nine feet of storm surge is expected to push this water from the St. Mark's River, kind of like a snowplow, up into the town of St. Mark's. And again, as I just said a moment ago, the, the entire town is expected to be flooded at least to some degree in the coming hours. Uh, there is an emergency uh, evacuation order in effect. We were told that sheriff's deputies have gone door to door in this town trying to get as many people they can to leave. Um, and, and what we're also told is that they did get a pretty good response in Wakala County, where we are, from residents in the coastal areas. Uh, one of the emergency management officials told me they got a good response as far as the number of people who decided to take the advice and leave. I asked one emergency management official what he would tell people who want to stay here. He had a one-word answer. He said, don't. But he said, if you do, make sure that you have at least three to four days worth of provisions because it might be tough to get to you. You might be isolated because, again, this town could be cut off by the flooding. Laura? Brian Todd, thank you so much. As we're following Hurricane Adalia, everyone, it is forecast to make landfall near Florida's Big Bend area. Let's go out to that very area with storm chaser Jeff Petrovsky. He is in Perry, Florida. Jeff, you have been driving through this Big Bend area all night. What are you right. seeing so far? I'm doing fine so far. Uh, you know, a lot of people have left this area uh, in the Big Bend area, luckily, but there's still a lot of people here, not only on the coast, but inland where I'm at in Perry. It's just in the last 10 minutes when the brand new 11 o'clock advisory have come out. You just heard breaking weather, and that is uh, the National Hurricane Center is now upgraded from Cat 3 landfall to Cat 4. Winds uh, sustain 132 miles an hour, gust of 161 miles an hour. This is going to be a catastrophic wind event similar to Hurricane Michael, which was a, was a low-end five back a couple years back, back west. I chased that storm also. So you're going to have about a 30-mile-wide, approximately 30-mile-wide damage path of catastrophic damage from here all the way back to northwest of Jacksonville. It'll be a hurricane, a strong hurricane, uh, all the way into southeast Georgia, South Carolina, as it rockets northeast across this area. Um, the main problem is going to be uh, 15. Uh, I haven't seen the latest storm surge, but I'm anticipating a very small, narrow area immediately east of the hurricane track near Perry and back southwest here. There'll be a very small, narrow area of probably 20-foot storm surge. It was 15. And when you go up in categories, this is going to get you up closer to the 20 feet. It'll be a very narrow area, maybe five miles wide. I'm probably topping up 20-foot storm surge. Then that then that massive wind is going to be about a 30-mile path going northeast. And if you look 
northeast of Perry on a map uh, locally, and you look at it, the, the towns, I'm going to name some towns that are going to be in a direct direct path of extreme damage. It's going to be Dowling Park, Live Oak, Mayo, Jasper, Lake City, um, and you continue northeast to northwest of Jacksonville, St. George, Fargo, Highland, and then you're over in the uh, southeast uh, uh, coast there, you're talking about Kirkland, north of Jacksonville, Woodbine. So that area is going to have a major damage path. Um, but I can tell you in the state of Florida, I've talked to state uh, EOC operations, and I can tell you they've got an armada between um, state EOC. We've got uh, Coast Guard standing by. We've got helicopters. They have uh, emergency uh, ambulances from a number of states are already in the state waiting to respond. We have 10 urban search and rescue pre-deployed, ready to move in as soon as the hurricane passes to go and find people. We have airboats going to be deployed. So we have massive resources in the state of Florida that are waiting to rush in here and help uh, clear the roads. And there's going to be probably tens, if not hundreds of thousands of pine trees will have virtually every road in this area. I anticipate, and based on my past experience in this area, that when you get the winds at this high, uh, you're going to have trees, all the roads in the Perry area, um, southeast of Tallahassee, and all the way back down to Cedar Key. We have this big forest area here along 98. This whole area will be impassable. There'll be Every road will be impassable. I can just tell you, it will be impassable uh, shortly after sunrise. Uh, it's going to make landfall now. I'm literally 10 miles before it's going to make landfall, and I'm in the right side of the dirty side of the eye. So winds here in Perry, I, unfortunately, the bad news I've got for the town of Perry, it now looks like they're going to take the brunt of the, the, the hurricane with winds 130 to 160 with a, with a massive catastrophic storm surge coming into the Perry, and it probably will pass Highway 98, it normally stops at Highway 98, northwest, southeast oriented, but it'll probably pass 98 in locations along this area. The idea, I mean, you said 20-foot storm surges possible. The idea of 130-plus mile-per-hour winds in, in location you are, for people who think they know what these storms might be like, does this compare to anything you've really been chasing before? No, so we're going to have two. We're going to have two record breaks. So uh, at Cat Three, we've never had a a, a, cat, a strong uh, hurricane up in this big bend area. But the highest has been Cat Two. So Cat Three, we're in uncharted territories. So we're at Cat Three. Now we're talking Cat Four. So we're breaking two records. The first Cat Three hurricane in, the, in this area of the big bend. Now we're forecasting a Cat Four. So those are going to be two record-breaking historic. We've never had happen since we know of in the mid 1800s, late 1800s. The third category is going to be possibly the highest storm surge ever recorded in this part of Florida. So we're going to break three records tonight, and we'll see what the pressure gets down to. That could be the fourth uh, record we're going to break tonight. So we could break at least four records that have never been broken here in this part of the state uh, with this hurricane. It's going to be an, it's going to be that's going to be the new benchmark bar going forward in history. Uh, we've never seen this. We're in uncharted territories. Jeff Petrovsky, thank you so much. Please stay safe. Keep us all informed. Uh, our next guest is John Hines. I want to go to him right now because he's a local inn owner in St. Mark's, Florida, who has decided to stay in spite of a mandatory evacuation order. John, thank you so much for being with us today. I, you know, we have video up right now from inside your hotel. Um, can you tell us how you are preparing right now? Right now, it is just a waiting game. There is not much that we can actually prepare any more than we already have. have excuse me, I'm sorry. And, um, you know, the building is 100 years old, poured concrete walls, and has withstood everything that has come so far. 
Is that why you're staying now? You've been through storms before, but you, you have said that this feels perhaps different. Are you anxious about what could happen in spite of the structure and the integrity of that building over the 100 years? I serve a mighty God. And so I put my faith and my trust in him and I do what I can to prepare and everything else is up to the Lord Jesus. Has have other people in the area left? I, I wonder what it's like in the surrounding community right where you are. If you need help or if anyone's there to assist you or you to provide it for them. Are there other people around you? Yes, there are. The, About how there many? are people in town. I am not exactly sure. I have not been out very much in the past four hours. We've honestly been working here, getting things prepared as much as possible. You know, we have a generator. Um, our second floor is 12 feet above ground. So, you know, it would, in order to get water up where we are, would would be catastrophic more than what they're talking about even. So, at least to my knowledge. Let me ask you, what kind of supplies do you have? You're hearing from some officials who are saying at least have two to three or even more days of provisions in case there is help needed and they can't get to you right away. Do you have supplies where you are? Yes, we do. What kind? I was raised in the Hocking Hills and of Ohio, and so I have always stocked up two to three weeks worth of food. We have paper towels, toilet paper, extra water, a water filtration system. So we are, I feel, as well prepared as we can be for the situation we are in. Have you had to weather a storm in this area before? I know you have this you know, poured concrete building and you don't have the, the concerns about perhaps the integrity of that building. But are, are, is this from lessons learned where you had not had the preparation before? Is that why now you feel more prepared? Uh, this is the first storm that we have actually been here. We bought the building in September of 19 and Michael had went through a year before put four foot of water in the lower portion of the building besides having to restructure drywall the building withstood it and that's part of the reason we stayed is I've got to be able to open windows doors if the water does get high otherwise it'll bust everything out. John Hines please stay safe we'll be thinking about you and, and really concerned, and I hope that everything will be okay for you as well. Thank you so much. Thank you. We'll be right back, everyone, with so much more on our breaking news tonight. Hurricane Adalia already lashing Florida. Officials are fearing it could be a dangerous once-in-a-lifetime event. We'll go live to Clearwater, Florida, where CNN correspondents are standing by, seeing heavy wind and rain. Our breaking news tonight, Hurricane Adalia barreling toward Florida's west coast with what could be a life-threatening storm surge. CNN's Gloria Pasmino is in Clearwater, where peak storm conditions are expected to happen around midnight, just about 40 minutes from now, with a surge that could reach four to seven feet. Gloria, what are the conditions like right now along the coastline? 
Well, Laura, listen, we have been here all day and it has gotten worse and worse by the hour. The wind has significantly picked up and just in the last few minutes, it was raining in sheets. But as you can see now, it's not raining as hard and that is what we've been seeing in the last hour or so. It just comes in and out and what we're experiencing is those outer bands of Hurricane Idalia as it travels up to the coast. It is expected to continue to gain strength and speed and make landfall on Wednesday morning. So conditions here are shifting rapidly, literally minute to the minute. It is very windy. It has been raining and this is a mandatory evacuation zone. We're in Clearwater Beach, which is part of Pinellas County. This is one of the counties that told people here to get out. Now, I just want to give you a sense of where we are. The ocean is in that direction, about a half a mile to the edge of the water. We can't see it now because it is absolutely pitch dark. But in this direction is the street inland. That is where people have been heading. In fact, I spoke to a man earlier today who was walking the length of the beach, kind of checking out conditions between before things got bad. And he told me that even though there was a mandatory evacuation order here, he was riding out the storm at his home. He told me he lives five miles inland and he's used to this kind of thing. Now, that is the problem uh, with this area and the hurricanes. Florida is used to seeing hurricanes, but usually they hit the eastern part and the southern part of the state. Now we're preparing to see Hurricane Idalia hit the big bend to the north and the west side of the state. That is where we are expecting to see the biggest impact. And so even though people may be used to it, the reality is that this is a very dangerous storm. It is a serious business. It means that you have to take cover if you haven't already evacuated and you have to be prepared. You asked me about the storm surge. That is what we're worried about here. If that ocean indeed comes anywhere to where we are right now, four to seven feet of water is catastrophic amounts of water that could cause serious damage to property and lives. There are an awful lot of uh, residential and hotel properties here in this area. So the next several hours are going to be critical as the storm continues to gather strength as it travels along the Gulf of Mexico, picking up speed. As we know, those waters extremely worn that is acting as jet fuel for the storm, giving it strength as it continues to travel and approaches the coast of Florida here. Laura? Gloria Pasmino, as we're watching the wind battering the trees behind you, and, we're, and it really is still hours away from full, full peak, please stay safe. Thank you so much. I want to go now to St. Petersburg, Florida, where the streets are already flooding. We're joined by St. Petersburg Mayor Ken Welch. Thank you so much for being here. Mayor, I have to ask you, what are you telling your residents and, and what are you expecting? Because we're learning four to seven feet potentially of storm surge. How concerned are you about what's happening? And, and frankly, there are people who are refusing to even evacuate. Well, they are. Good evening, Laura. Uh, you know, Gloria had it uh, exactly right. We're about 25 miles south of where she is in Clearwater down here in St. Petersburg, Florida. And what we've told folks um, from the initial projections is that we need to run from the water and hide from the wind. And when we have uh, a Cat 4 hurricane now, even if it's 100 miles west of us, 
we still expect to get that four to six feet of storm surge, and that will be devastating. What we try to tell folks, and, and part of the issue in Florida is we have so many new people to Florida that haven't dealt with a hurricane before, is, you know, just look at our neighbors down uh, in the Fort Myers, Santa Bell area, who less than a year ago had almost a similar situation uh, where the hurricane was not projected to hit them straight on, but at the last minute made a turn. Uh, and they will be recovering there for, for a decade at least. And so it is powerful. Folks need to respect it. And we've asked folks that are in our evacuation zone A to evacuate and move to higher ground uh, in our city. You don't have to go 100 miles away. You can go 10 miles away and move to safety. And we're urging folks to do that. You know, you're right. When you think about the number of people who are now newer residents to Florida and might not have ever seen anything like this except for on their televisions, might not have a realistic expectation of what the power of this storm might be. But you mentioned people going inland more. How has your city prepared, Mayor, if people are trying to get to those locations? Are there shelters? Are there supplies? Where are they located? So... uh St. Petersburg is one of 24 cities in Pinellas County Uh, and working with those cities and with the Pinellas County uh, government, uh, we issued evacuation orders uh, uh, about 18 hours ago. And that's for folks that are in those low lying areas. So we do have shelters all across the county. We have special needs shelters. We have a local transit agency that works with our various fire departments to transport folks to those shelters. So we've got the facilities that are in high and dry spots it's not, it's just an, a matter of folks using that information, using the knowledge, and when they're asked to evacuate, to, to go ahead and evacuate. At a certain point, when the winds, uh, sustained winds get to a certain point, our first responders will not be able to go out and try to rescue folks. And, and you, we've heard those 911 calls of folks who stayed and realized they made a, a life changing mistake and help could not reach them. And so we just try to tell folks do the right thing, do the responsible thing. You might be inconvenienced for 24 hours, but it's worth saving your life. And gut-wrenching to think about the first responders who cannot get to them, who know and their calling has been to do just that. But people might wake up and, and they may be tomorrow realize that the worst may not be over. They might see sunshine, for example, and think it's safe now and they can go back home. What if yeah. people wake up and think that? What do you want them to know? Well, thank you. That's a great point. And we've said... Uh, because of the way this storm is moving, we won't see that um, storm surge for another 12 hours until Wednesday afternoon around 2 p.m. So we've said, you know, folks, you might see sunshine in the morning, but wait until we get the all clear later in the afternoon after that that storm surge uh, comes through the area with, again, expected four to six feet of storm surge. Mayor Ken Welch, thank you so much. We'll be thinking of you. Please stay safe. Thank you. Officials, thank you. Officials are saying that some areas of Florida could see not just five or 10, but 15 feet of storm surge. And they're warning that surge is likely not survivable. Stay with us. Well, Hurricane Adalia is already causing flooding in some coastal towns, as you can see right here in Cedar Key, Florida. Officials are warning of a life-threatening storm surge of up to 15 feet in some areas. So just how dangerous, Tom Foreman, will this surge be and which areas will be the hit the hardest? Excuse me. Joining me now is CNN's Tom Foreman. He's at the Magic Wall to explain it all. So tell me about this storm surge. Take a step back with me. How does this work? 
Storm surge is always what it's primarily about in hurricanes. People look at the wind. The wind is dramatic. You can get hurt. It can do damage. Storm surge is why they're saying if you're in a directly hit area, it could be non-survivable in this case. A storm like nothing they've seen since the 1800s with blocked roads, home destruction, massive power outages. So how does storm surge work? Think about that big swirling storm we talk about all the time. Every place that it's contacting the water, it's pushing water in front of it. So if you're out in deep water out here, it pushes the water in that big circular motion. Well, so what? Because it's deep enough, it just keeps swirling down into the water. It doesn't matter. But when it gets into a more shallow area, it runs out of space, and the water that's being pushed on the part that's going toward land can't go down anymore, and it starts going inward. And the result is then you have this surge of water that starts pushing in. The longer and shallower the run-up is, and it's very long and very shallow in this area. There's not a big steep drop-off out here. It's very long and very shallow. The more time it has to compress, gain energy, and come in, that's why we're talking about this storm surge being so bad in this area. So what would this look like in certain areas? How high are we talking about of a storm surge? We've adjusted the numbers recently. Uh, as you heard Chad say earlier on, these are, these are ticking up a little bit from what we're showing right here. But but look, we're four to six feet down here near St. Pete's here, sort of that area, six to nine in here, seven. You get up here to Cedar Key, uh, Mitchell Creek, uh, areas like that, uh, into the Suwannee River up in there. Then you start talking about uh, things coming up in here. It's going to be even higher than that, maybe higher than 10 to 15 feet. Important thing to remember, though, this area up in here, ecologically very important, very important to the people who live there, but not that many people living here. Many more people living down here. So you may only have six feet of flooding down here. Huge, huge, huge impact. Yes, for the small communities hit up here, it could be absolutely catastrophic. But in terms of the volume of houses hit, the volume of businesses, the number of people affected, look to the population centers because that's where you're going to really struggle to do things. Although getting resources to people who get affected out here, boy, that could be really difficult. Pretty unbelievable. And I mean, I'm looking at this and wondering how it compares to other storms we've already seen, even in recent days. Yeah, we, you know, every, I've been covering hurricanes for a long, long, long time. And it's, you can do all the predicting you want. In the end, the water comes in, the storm comes in, and you find out what really happens. In the case of Ike in 2008, what we saw really happen was 15 to 20-foot surge in Texas near Galveston, about $25 billion in damage. Hurricane Dennis in 2005, seven to nine-foot surge on the Florida panhandle, pushing up toward Alabama there, $2.2 billion in damage. Again, think about where it hit how much building went on there, because some of these storms are very expensive because we have built a lot in front of them compared to years ago. So a storm that 50, 60 years ago would not have been that expensive now is terribly expensive. There were plenty, plenty, way too many lives lost in these two hurricanes running up into the hundreds. But then we come into the monster that came into my old hometown of of, uh, New Orleans and along the Gulf Coast. Don't forget the Gulf Coast communities, which were hammered by this 25 to 28-foot storm surge in the New Orleans area. We had the levees collapse, which many people called the man-made disaster of it all. Uh, but the result was $75 billion worth of damage, close to 1,400 people killed. Storm surge is what this is all about. The, the big heavy winds, they're frightening, and yes, they can do damage. They can kill people. They can do a lot of bad things, particularly the tornadoes that spin off. But the big damage, the big loss of businesses, 
homes and lives will come from storm surge. And that's why these people in these communities are saying, you got to get out now, particularly, again, in the heavily populated areas, because it's so much harder to get out there, even if you try to flee. If everyone tries to flee at the last minute, and now we're past the last minute, we're at the part where you have to do the best you can right now to, to do it safe. Even if you try to flee then, the roads can become completely clogged even before the storm gets there. That's why they warn people, and your mayor said a little while ago, new arrivals, every single year in New Orleans and on the Gulf Coast, they were saying to people, if you're not from here, please listen. You don't know what this thing is like until you've been through some of them. And sunshine doesn't mean that it's over. I mean, oh, no. Oh, sunshine. no. And, no. The, and honestly, this was the day, right? And yeah, the, this was the day. commemorative day. This was the Target day. Katrina actually hit your home. It, cha- it, changed, it changed so many things down there. And again, I always say don't forget the Gulf Coast because there were towns up there that, honestly, the Gulf side part of those towns ceased to exist. It was as clear as this board swept away uh, everything there and how they recovered miraculous and, 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 and so painful. Tom Foreman, thank you so much for helping us understand all of that. Local officials, understandably, are now bracing for the very worst as Adalia is bearing down on Florida. I'm going to talk to some right on the coast where the damage could be the most severe next. Back with our breaking news, Hurricane Adalia already battering Florida's west coast ahead of its expected landfall in just a matter of hours now. And now there is a tornado watch in Tampa. Joining us now is Safety Chief and Public Information Officer for Hillsborough County Fire Rescue, Rob Heron. Thank you so much for being here today. I mean, hurricane is top of mind, but now there's a tornado watch in effect for Tampa and surrounding areas what is your biggest concern now at this hour? Our biggest concern, concern is still that, that storm surge. Um, as was, was stated before, you know, we've, we've messaged to our residents to seek shelter. We've opened shelters. Um, we've made that available, and now we're kind of past that point. Um, now we're advising residents stay home, hunker down, stay off the roads. It's too dangerous to be on the roads. So we're just kind of in a, in a standby right now, waiting to see um, what, what results of the storm passing by. Do you have all the resources in place to respond? Yes, we absolutely do. Hillsborough County Fire Rescue has two specialty units in, um, in, in the area, uh, several teams that are ready to respond and do rapid needs assessments, and then other teams that are, rapid, are ready to do technical search and rescue to the areas that might be uh, the hardest hit. You know, even when there's a mandatory evacuation, people are going to make their own individual choices. And there will be residents who did not heed the warning and the order to evacuate. What is your message to them tonight? You know, hopefully um, we, you're in an area that, uh, you know, we don't get as hit as hard as, as is predicted. We're still in a four to seven foot uh, storm surge potential. Um, you know, we... Uh, there's a point where fire rescue and law enforcement can't respond if sustained winds are a certain uh, level. And so we, you know, kind of have to stand by and uh, quickly after those winds subside, send those teams out. Um, we've ramped up our, our staffing at our fire stations. So we've doubled down on the normal amount of people that would be at our fire, our 46 fire stations throughout Hillsborough County. So we are, are ready to respond. Um, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll you can, you're safe until we can get to you. 
Rob Heron, thank you so much for your message tonight. I appreciate it. Thank you. FEMA is sending hundreds of personnel into the storm. The former head of FEMA tells us what he thinks they need to be focused on. We'll talk to us right after this. We're back with our breaking news coverage of Hurricane Adalia. It's bearing down on Florida's West Coast. As Floridians are bracing for what might be a once-in-a-lifetime event, the head of FEMA spoke today about preparation and the efforts in the state. We have pre-positioned different types of resources across all three states to include several incident management assistance teams, our urban search and rescue teams, our disaster survivor assistance teams, and they are all ready to pivot to the most impacted areas immediately after the storm passes. We also have warehouses filled with commodities like food, water, blankets, and medical supplies that are uh, ready to rapidly move into the impacted area at the state's request. I want to now bring in former FEMA Administrator Craig Fugate. Craig, thank you for being here tonight. We're watching this storm very, very closely. I wonder what are emergency officials up against with Hurricane Adalia? And it's now forecast to make landfall as a Category 4, Craig. Well, as was pointed out earlier, these areas along the coast don't have high populations, but they're very hard to get to. Usually you're talking about a two-lane road, coming off of U.S. 27, U.S. 19. You're having to go 20, 30, 40 miles to get to these little communities, and all that's going to be covered with debris, uh, flooded. So for the response, it's really about if people haven't evacuated, um, they're prepared to go in and try to get to those survivors. But it's going to be uh, very difficult. And unlike other places, these won't be concentrated populations. It's going to be very spread out. Uh, as you saw, basically north of Tampa, Especially when you get Pasco, Hillsborough County, you know, north of Hillsborough County, you get Pasco and Hernando County, there's some good sized populations, then it diminishes. So, search and rescue will be the first party. The second thing is going to be we're going to have a lot of power outages. And this is a part of the state that has not had hurricane force winds in a very long time. You know, the idea of the preparation and what it's going to take to not only prepare for the storm itself, but the aftermath, as you describe, particularly in rural areas where there's not a whole lot of high populations and trying to get to a dispersed population. You're actually in Gainesville tonight where there is a lot of concern about the possibility of downed trees, taking out power lines, blocking roads, even these more concentrated areas. So how does something like that really hamper rescue and recovery? Knowing FEMA must be accustomed to planning for that, but the landscape of what might be is really at this time indeterminable. Well, again, you basically take it. Again, we don't focus on the cone. We actually focus on the forecasted impacts. Uh, you got tornado watches up now across much of the West Coast. So FEMA's approach is working with the state. Governor DeSantis and his team really focused on <clears throat> what they're going to need. Florida has a lot of resources. Uh, I think the response, the initial rescues, uh, will be led by Florida. I think FEMA, as you saw from Administrator Criswell, is talking about a lot of the immediate needs in the aftermath of the storm of helping the survivors get assistance, find places to stay, and do that kind of work. FEMA did move search and rescue teams in. Uh, They're joined up with the state. So it will be pretty much search and rescue's first priority, power restoration, damage assessments, and getting people into uh, assistance as fast as they can. Craig Fugate, thank you. We'll continue to rely on your 
um, expertise in this area. Thank you so much. Thank you. Everybody stay with us because there's much more live coverage of Hurricane Adalia. It's ahead, including the very latest forecast, reports from the ground, and local residents who are now choosing to ride out the storm. That's all right after this. Everyone, I'm Laura Coates. Our breaking news, Hurricane Adalia has rapidly now intensified over the warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico and is now forecast to become an extremely dangerous Category 4 storm before it makes landfall in a matter of just hours. The storm is packing 110 miles per hour winds and is already causing flooding in some of the coastal areas. Our teams are out across the entire storm zone. Chad Myers is in the CNN Weather Center with the very latest forecast. Carlos Suarez is in Tampa. Brian Todd is in Tallahassee. And Gloria Pasmino is in Clearwater. Let's go right now to Chad Myers who is in the Weather Center. Chad, Governor Ron DeSantis is now saying that the Florida Gulf Coast area hasn't seen a storm of Adalia's magnitude since the mm-hmm. 1800s. It's now forecast right. to be an extremely dangerous Category 4 hurricane when it makes landfall. Put all of this into context for us. Sure. Um, from Apalachicola all the way back down here across the Big Bend is what he's talking about. Get a different color. There you go. That's the area right there that he's talking about. And that's the area that hasn't seen anything this significant in a very long time. Now, remember, I mean, we did have a Cat 4, then 5 here in Matthew. Uh, so that was Michael. And that was a big storm. That was an impressive storm, but not on the order of what we're talking about on this coast. So what we're talking about is likely a record low pressure making landfall here. Likely a record category, which would be Category 4. A record storm surge at possibly up to 16 feet. So a lot of things going on here, a lot of moving parts, and a very intense deepening storm with an eye that has been very impressive for now, it seems like, five hours. And that means the storm is rapidly intensifying. I don't have an update on the 110, maybe to 115 yet. We're waiting on an airplane to get in there. And in fact, one of our reporters will be on that airplane, be able to report back to us live. 130 miles per hour is the forecast at landfall, slightly after sunrise, coming up here in about, what, eight hours. Here you go. There is the eye of the storm. Something else that's just popped up here, tornado watch, for these cells that are coming on shore on Florida's west coast. Some of them are spinning. Some of them will have water spouts. Some of them will have tornadoes. That's the likelihood. The big threat here after the storm surge is how far and how inland this wind field will be. 110 mile per hour winds all the way across the Florida Georgia line. That's an entire area right through here that will have thousands, tens of thousands of trees knocked down because of this wind, power lines down, the roofs damaged. I mean, that's simply an, almost an EF1 tornado. That's how much damage is going to be in this large swath and even hurricane conditions to Brunswick, to Jekyll Island, and even toward and north of Amelia Island. So this is going to be a big wind maker, a big surge maker, and then... As we work our way into tomorrow, we are going to see the potential for very, very heavy rainfall and possibly heavy rainfall where people evacuated too. 
could see six inches of rainfall in these spots. That could cause freshwater flooding, not the saltwater flooding that we're worried about pushing onshore into St. Mark's and all the way over towards Steen Hatchie and possibly into Cedar Key. But this is an area we have to watch out for. If you think about South Carolina, we're not talking about low country here. We're talking about some of the topography here. That rain is going to run off into these creeks and streams and down these hills. And we could see some flash flooding from this just as another aspect to this storm. Hurricane or tornadoes, uh, storm surge, yeah. flash flooding. There's Flood. a lot to take in. Chad Myers will sure keep is. following this. Thank you so much. CNN's Gloria Pasmino is out in the storm tonight in Clearwater. Gloria, in the last hour, you were experiencing some pretty strong winds. I'm looking behind you right now. They seem to still be there. What are the conditions like? Well, Laura, as you said, an hour ago, I was explaining to you that this thing just comes in waves and we are in the middle of a wave right now. The rain is coming down and that wind is just sweeping right through this area where we are standing. It is really strong. You can see the palm trees are swaying back and forth as that rain and that wind moves through. These are the outer bands of this storm. Hurricane Nadalia making its way to the western part of the state. Chad Myers was just describing everything that this thing is carrying. Tornadoes, possible uh, wind damage, the storm surge. All of that is what we're watching out for here in Clearwater Beach. Now, Clearwater Beach is part of Pinellas County. This area is about two and a half miles long. There is a big, long beach that's right in front of us in this direction. It's very flat, and that is important. What does that mean? It's flat, and that ocean is shallow. You can walk about a half a mile into it, and your water might just be barely up to your waist. So that creates perfect conditions for storm surge. Another key factor here that we have been talking about all day long, the Gulf of Mexico, the waters which this storm is traveling over right now are extremely warm. Those warm waters are acting like gasoline for this hurricane. It is making it gain strength and speed as it moves forward. And if that ocean that's directly in front of us comes anywhere near where we are right now, the expectation is that we could see anywhere from four to seven feet of storm for storm surge. Laura, I'm a little over five feet tall. So any amount of water that is more than that is obviously going to be catastrophic and extremely damaging. Now, people here for the most part have heeded the evacuation warnings, but I do wanna show you this residential tower that's directly behind me. You can see that a lot of the apartments are completely dark, probably meaning that people got out, but there's a few people that are clearly still at home. Their lights are on. There was a couple that was walking by early this morning who told us they were going to ride this out. Uh, hopefully that is going to be okay. Hopefully they're going to be safe. But as we were just telling you a minute ago, with every passing minute, conditions inc uh, just worsen significantly. The water really coming down now. Uh, and we expect conditions to continue to worsen with every passing hour as we await the arrival uh, and the landfall of this hurricane as set to uh, cause historic uh, damage to the western portion of the state. Laura? Gloria Pasmino, thank you for keeping us so well informed.
There's a lot more to take in. CNN's Carlos Suarez is in Tampa for us tonight. Carlos, what are the conditions like where you are on the ground in Tampa? Well, Laura, we are to the east of uh, Gloria, so we are in uh, Tampa Bay. We're in Hillsborough County where the rain and the wind really has not let up. Uh, for the better part of the last couple of hours. Uh, we're keeping a close eye on the bay wall here behind me because uh, it's now come back to a level that we really haven't seen since earlier this afternoon, in large part because the next uh, high tide is around 4 o'clock this morning. And so going into tomorrow, the concern uh, from emergency officials here in Hillsborough County is that we're going to see all of this rain over the next 6 to 12 hours as this storm continues to move north uh, just offshore here. It's going to start pushing all all of that water into the uh, Tampa Bay. And then once that those two things happen and a uh, high tide happens at four in the morning and then we get king tide later in the afternoon, that's when we believe we're going to start seeing some of that significant f uh, flooding. Uh, we're talking about anywhere, uh, as Gloria mentioned there, anywhere between four to six feet of a storm surge. And so going into the late hours, emergency officials out here, we're really hoping that uh, at this point in the game uh, for the folks that did not evacuate uh, the low-lying areas of Hillsborough County as well as Pinellas County out to the west. Uh, their hope right now is wherever you are, stay put. If you come out tomorrow and you see that some of the rain has passed by, the storm is obviously to the north of us. They don't want folks to become complacent and start heading out thinking that really uh, everything is over with because, uh, again, we're not expected to see uh, the possible storm surge associated with this hurricane until late in the morning uh, throughout the afternoon. Uh, as you can probably tell, the rain again has picked up out here. The concern still is the flooding, at least when we're talking about the Tampa Bay area. Uh, again, having spent uh, the better part of the last 12 hours here, uh, just about everyone that we came across uh, tonight and everyone that we spoke to said uh, they did not think uh, they did not think that things were going to be that bad. And so they made that decision to go ahead and stay put. They were not going to move inland. They were not going to evacuate or go to one of these hurricane shelters. That's, of course, a message that emergency officials did not want to hear, though you can understand why, because about this time uh, last year or around last year rather we were in this very same location as Hurricane Ian was scheduled to make landfall somewhere around the Tampa Bay area of course that storm ended up uh, passing to the south of uh, Hillsborough County and so a lot of the folks that we came across they said look Last year, we got ready for a very powerful storm. We thought it was going to make a direct hit. It ended up really moving to the south of us. We saw some flooding, but it really wasn't that bad. And so it seems like they're taking that kind of attitude uh, with respect to this uh, hurricane, though that is, of course, something that uh, emergency officials uh, wish was not the case. Um, but uh, we will see how things uh, shake out in the next couple of hours. Laura? Carlos Suarez, thank you so much. Quite a gamble for some people to take. The National Weather Service says that Hurricane Adalia will likely be an unprecedented event for many locations in the Florida Big Bend. CNN's Brian Todd is in Tallahassee for us tonight. Brian, what are you seeing? Well, Laura, what we just experienced here in Tallahassee just a few minutes ago was the erratic nature of a hurricane when you first start to feel those initial bands of it, meaning you're going to get intense wind and rain, and then it might just back off. And that's what it's done now. Not a drop coming down on me right now, as you can see, but just a few minutes ago, we were getting pounded with rain, a lot of it. 
and we expect that, of course, to re-intensify in the next few hours along with the wind that is going to come with this now Category 4 hurricane that's going to come ashore not too far from where I'm standing. Here's the problem with Tallahassee and the vulnerability here in Tallahassee. You can see behind me, again, not much rain uh, coming down now, not, not any rain really, but this is a town of a lot of low-hanging trees. There are a lot of trees in this town overall anyway that are vulnerable to being knocked down, but a lot of low-hanging trees, a lot of very, you know, dense vegetation around here in Tallahassee. That's going to mean power lines being knocked down. That's going to be mean streets being blocked. I was here covering a hurricane a few years ago when it was hard to navigate through this town uh, because of all the downed trees and power lines, and that storm was not quite as intense as this one. So uh, this is really not uh, boding too well for the city of Tallahassee in the next few hours, but at least they're a little bit inland from you know where this hurricane is going to come ashore. We just pulled out of the town of St. Mark's, about 20 miles south of here because that town is going to probably get at least nine feet of storm surge. When that happens, the issue there is that that town lies between two rivers, the St. Mark's and the uh, Wachala River. And when those two rivers converge right near that town, it's a very low-lying town. You've also got the Appalachee Bay, which has never seen a hurricane of this strength in recorded history. So you've got the, the hurricane coming up that bay, the two rivers by that town. We could be cut off uh, if we hadn't pulled out of that town. We're going to try to get back to that town as early as we can tomorrow morning. There are emergency evacuation orders uh, for the residents of St. Mark's. Uh, a lot of people did heed those orders, but still several people stayed behind. And emergency officials are saying if you do do that, you've got to have provisions for at least three or four days because you could become isolated. Again, St. Mark's is really now in danger of becoming isolated because it does it just is so susceptible to flooding, even when there's a storm not of the size of a hurricane. So we're going to try to get back to St. Mark's uh, as soon as we can uh, tomorrow morning, but we may not be able to get there. We're going to try to mobilize as soon as we can. Again, you know, the bands of wind and rain heading this way toward Tallahassee. A lot of power crews we've seen stationed near here on our way in here as we pulled out of St. Mark's. Um, you know, the emergency evacuation is something in Florida and like everywhere else. They cannot physically pull you out of your house, uh, but they can they have gone door to door. We were told by emergency officials in uh, the county where St. Mark's is that they did send deputies door to door to knock on doors to try to get people to leave. Several people did heed the warnings. They said they got a good response down there in the coastal areas. So people are starting to get a sense of how serious this is going to be. But Laura, time is really pretty much run out. Uh, this place is about to get inundated in the next few hours. I mean, it's so powerful to see the image. With the, they said that the calm before the storm, just seeing how it ebbs and flows, as you describe. And Tallahassee, a huge college town, by the way, as well. Schools coming back into session. Totally hope those right. students are safe as well. Brian Todd, thank you so much. Hurricane Adalia, everyone, is now expected to slam into Florida as an extremely dangerous Category 4 storm. Let's go to St. Mark's, Florida, where Public Information Officer for the Wakulla County Sheriff's Office, Jerry, Jeffrey Yarbrough, joins us now. Um, Officer, thank you for being here because Wakala County actually could see some of the worst storm surge. Are people still evacuating tonight or is it too late at this point? Um, well, it's certainly not too late depending on, you know, where you're at and where you're in, uh, intending to go to, but we're getting to that point. Um, we very much anticipate that we're going to start feeling the sustained effects of, of tropical storm force winds here in the next two hours. 
when that occurs, it's going to be too late for citizens to leave. You know, our message largely to our community right now is likely that it may be too late for you to go. You need to hunker down and just hold tight and, you know, stay put until um, the storm passes and we're able to get everything cleared up. Gosh, I, the mother in me is just thinking about what it's like for those who may have no choice or have chosen to shelter in place and thinking about trying to keep everyone in that household calm, children included. Mm-hmm. For those who are sheltering in place, what should they keep in mind? And, and will first responders be able to get to them if they need it? Um, unlikely, no, in the immediate uh, future. Once we get sustained tropical storm force winds, our emergency services have to shut down because it's unsafe for our responders and vehicles to be on the roadway. At that point, um, you know, we're not really able to respond until the storm leaves out and we're able to get the roadways clear. So our, it's hard to anticipate when we're going to be able to return normal services because we're still, we know we're going to feel effects from this storm and likely major effects from this storm. But, you know, every 10, 15 miles matters right now, whether it goes east or west, and, and that's likely going to determine the, the type of response that we have to have uh, tomorrow. Lieutenant Jeffrey Yarbrough, thank you so much for giving us all this information and for helping people to prepare if they still can, of course. Joining me now is Florida State Representative Diane Hart. Her district is Hillsborough County. Thank you for being here this evening, Representative Hart. I mean, your county is set to see some of the worst of the hurricane, Adalia, through tomorrow, I might add. Are you prepared and, and what are you most concerned about over these next several hours as we are looking right now on the screen of the image of the eye of the storm battling that big bend of Florida. I'm watching very closely because I, at home right now, I'm feeling the uh, the bands, the rain is pouring down, then it stops and then the wind is blowing. So my worst fear is tomorrow morning for people who did not evacuate when they were asked to evacuate. Our fears that the the surge may be between six and seven feet tomorrow. So I understand that our authorities will be going out tomorrow morning, if they can, to actually check on people. And they're asking them to please stay inside. If you're in the house, do not come out. And there are some areas that will be flooding and we expect them to flood over in the Bayshore area on the Davis Island area. My understanding is that we have some outage right now over in the Bayshore area. So we're already beginning to feel the effects of this storm right in my very neighborhood where I live. We're pretty high, so we don't expect any flooding in my community, but we're going to have some flooding in some other areas right here in our city. We're learning about four to seven foot storm, storm surges and thinking about those who are in lower elevation points. Do you have particular concerns for people who are in more vulnerable communities, communities of color there. Because after Hurricane Ian last year, there were some residents in Fort Myers, I believe, who said that assistance was slow and relief efforts seemed to be focused on wealthier and white communities. Well, I have to say to you that I've been working with Hillsborough County for a number of years, and we've had some terrible storms here, and they've been very resourceful. I did get calls this afternoon from my county informing me that if there was anything that my constituents needed to just reach out and they would do everything they can. So my hope is if my communities are directly impacted in the uh, lower income communities, we will get the assistance that we need as quickly as possible. So 
I think that we'll be okay here in Hillsborough County tomorrow. My hope is that people will just stay inside and don't go out and because there will be trees down. We know that for certain. There might be some outages. There may be electric lines down. So we're just asking all of our constituents to stay inside until it's been cleared and emergency management has told everybody it's okay to move around. Representative Diane Hart, thank you so much. We'll be thinking about you and your community and watching how this storm can be weathered. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, our breaking news, everyone, Hurricane Adalia is now expected to slam into Florida as an extremely dangerous Category 4 storm when it makes landfall in Florida's Big Bend region and now just a matter of hours. We've got more live from the storm zone next. As Hurricane Adalia is barreling its way towards Florida, a number of cities are under evacuation orders. Cedar Key is among them. Many residents have taken heed to those orders, including my next guest. Joining me now is Cedar Creek resident Cheyenne Wells. Thank you for joining us this evening. Cheyenne, what ultimately led to you and your family um, to evacuating Cedar Key? Definitely the surge. Mm. The 15-foot surge that they were calling for um, a few hours ago definitely led us to get out. Before that, had you been considering leaving or were you going to try to hunker down? We were thinking about staying and hunkering and down, but I kind of talked my parents into leaving and I couldn't leave them, so... Understandable. I mean, I mean, this storm is expected to become a powerful Category 4 by the time it lands. I mean, how concerned are you and your family about not only the damage the storm could cause, but about your lives being at risk had you stayed? Oh, no, I'm terrified. Um, <laughs> absolutely terrified. I don't know if I'm going to wake up and have a home to go to or a job or if any of the people that have become close to me family-wise is going to have anything left. That is terrifying to just think about, and I certainly hope that you will be safe. Did you say your parents are with you as well? Was this a decision to have them come with you to convince them otherwise? They went to Gainesville, and we stayed, me and my fiancé stayed nine miles off the island to be close to whatever happens. And if someone needs help, we can be there to help. So. Wow. I mean, you, you are now staying in a town just a few miles from Cedar Key. We've been seeing tonight just in different um, webcams that are available. We've been seeing the flooding already, the water rushing in. What are conditions like where you are right now? It's starting to rain. It's definitely windy. Um, no flooding yet, but it's bound to come. Rosewood is pretty much really low land, so it's hard to say that it won't flood. Well, Cheyenne, please stay safe. We will be thinking of you and your family and um, to you for heeding the call to evacuate. I know it's terrifying. We'll continue to follow and be thinking about you. Thank you. 
Please stay safe. Joining me now is Janalea England. She's a Steenhatchee, Florida resident who is staying put in spite of a mandatory evacuation order warning to um, ride out the storm. She decided with her husband and also her three children. Janalea, thank you for talking to me this evening. You're, you're only a half a mile away from the Gulf. Um, what are you thinking right now as we're getting these reports in about this storm coming? Um, I'm starting to get chills. Uh, it's not not looking good, obviously. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm thinking of, like a million different things. Why did you decide to stay? Uh, it's just we, we, we own, you know, our home here. We've built our lives here. Uh, a lot of my family has stayed and um, I just I can't I can't leave them. What if they need me? I can tell. I mean, just thinking about the, the stress and the pressure that must be on you to decide what to do and when to do it. Is is there an emergency plan that you have if you need to get out? Do you have somewhere else you could go? Uh, yeah, we do have uh, my sister that is about 45 miles inland. We we can go there if it gets to the point that we get super scared to leave. Right now, it's just raining and some wind, so it's not too bad yet. Um, we're just waiting, and we have, like, this little dirt road trail that we can hit out instead of going the road that goes by the Gulf here. Like, it goes about 17 miles, nothing but, you know, Gulf. There's another road that we can take and get to, you know, away. Now, I, of course, I hear all the time, don't drive through floodwaters, don't take that risk and be safe. It's all things I hope you are considering if you do venture out. You said there are other people in the area, you had family, you didn't want to leave. And, you know, um, just think about what kind of a person you are to say, what if they need me? It speaks to your character for a lot of reasons. Are you in touch with anyone else who decided to ride out the storm? Yeah, my brother and my sister, my other brother and sister, uh, they're probably about two miles from me and, um, they're riding out together. Me and my family's riding out together. And then we have numerous friends that have, have, have stayed. And we got one guy that's not even a quarter of a mile from our house who's in a double wide trailer. You know, what if he needs to come to my home? My home is concrete. It is, it's, it's built to standard. And so that's, if people need to come to my place, they're, they're welcome. You have children, I understand, as well. I'm, I'm always wondering, as a mother myself, what are you telling your kids in these moments? I'm trying to get my kids to go on and go to Perry, where my sister is. And um, in case it does get bad, me and my husband have to go. We don't have to worry about them. One of my child, children is special needs. And uh, my, my daughter is eight, 18, and she just told me a while ago, she's like, I don't want to leave y'all. So basically, after hearing the last report, we're waiting on some other family members to get over here. And then we were going to discuss what what we want to do. Do we want to get on out now or do we want to try to ride it out? It, is the time, I mean, the time is ticking away. Do you have a decision that you, you think you'll make it by a certain time? Because it looks like, and we're watching as you and I are having this conversation, Janalea, we're watching, you know, obviously the weather and the radar that's coming in about the forecast of this storm. Is there a cutoff time from when you got to make this decision? I'm going to say within the hour. Because um, uh, we can hit, like I said, we can hit those, those back roads because it takes you away from the water. 
and but it's it's going to have to be made before the wind really picks up because then you're not going to be able to drive you're going to have tornadoes you got to worry about and it might be better just to hunker down in in the master bathroom and and just you know pray to god jesus that everything's going to be okay i hear your pet in the background as well your dog or more than one genelea england thank you please Stay safe, please. Yeah, you too. I want to bring in Jonathan Franks, everyone. He lives in Clearwater Beach um, on a barrier island along the Gulf. Good to see you, Jonathan. You were you were going to be live from your home, but instead you went to a local hotel that you that had had been available just in case. Um, what made you decide that you needed to leave your home and go there? Well, hi, Lauren. Thanks for having me. I. I I think what really made the decision easy for me is I don't know what's I live on a very small piece of island from the inner you know the distance to the intercoastal to the uh, uh, to the ocean is not very far so if there was a serious surge I would be um, I'd, I'd be in a lot of trouble and it would also have lifted my car away so uh, well I probably would have been all right uh, my car I don't know about. I mean, I, I know you well and think about, are you concerned for your safety? Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yes, enough that I went to this hotel, right? Um, there's definitely a part of me that says I should just be back in my house riding this out. But it is also nice to be a couple blocks inland and uh, um, be able to go to sleep tonight without, uh, without spending the whole night looking for storm surge. I mean, you set up cameras in your house to document um, Adalia right now. Are you seeing anything? I can't at the moment because it's dark out, but they're, they're still streaming away, which means I have power at the house and I have Internet at the house still, which is a good sign. I mean, we're just extremely lucky to have this storm offshore. Um, if this had hit us directly, we would have been in a lot of trouble. I mean, you were also in Florida last year during Hurricane Ian, but you did evacuate. Did this impact your actions this time around? Uh, you know, in Ian, when I evacuated, I actually put myself, I went 40, 50, 60 miles inland, and that storm cut across the state. So I actually put myself right in the path of the hurricane. I made myself, you know, it was actually more dangerous at my evacuation point. So this time I, was, I, I took a little longer to make the decision, but I got here anyway, and I I am safely off the island. Jonathan Franks, thank you and stay safe. Please, we'll be thinking about you as well. Everyone, Hurricane Adalia, it has rapidly intensified over the warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico and is forecast now to become an extremely dangerous Category 4 hurricane. So how much of that is due to climate change? CNN's Bill Weir is here with me to explain next. Hurricane Adalia bearing down on Florida tonight. The big question, how does climate change factor into this now monster storm? This summer in the Gulf of Mexico, water temperatures reached the highest levels ever recorded. And around southern Florida, water temperatures climbed to 100 degrees in some areas. Is that all because of climate change? CNN's chief climate correspondent, Bill Weir, is here with me. Bill, I'm so glad you're here to try to help people make sense of so much of what we're we're seeing all summer long. How is climate change making hurricanes like Adalia even more common? I mean, does the water temperature really factor into all this? 
That has everything to do with it, Laura. Yes, uh, warm water is the heat engine of a hurricane. It loves any warmth thick can find. And unfortunately, uh, we have been heating up the, the sea and the skies for well over a, a century now. As we all know, that heat-trapping pollution coming from fossil fuels means that every second of every day, there's as much extra energy as 10 Hiroshima-sized atomic bombs. And because the oceans are so vast and so deep, it's taken this long for it to become apparent. Uh, the oceans have absorbed 90% of the extra uh, energy absorbed in the age of climate change uh, here. So hiding a multitude of sins until it doesn't anymore. And we've started to see it with that insane triple digit hot tub temperatures around the Keys, which is just uh, a death sentence for corals, the bottom of the food chain, you know, in terms of sea life there. But then when we just knew once hurricane season ramped up, it would test this theory that climate change doesn't necessarily mean more hurricanes. It means the ones that we do get are bigger or wetter or have stronger winds. And for every degree of warming, it could make it 10 percent uh, more powerful. So, uh, you know, a category, a major storm with 150 mile an hour winds maybe 30 years ago could hit 190 mile an hour winds on a hotter planet right now. We don't think that the Dahlia is going to come near those numbers, but in terms of the storm surge and what we saw after Ian, it's just clear that every with every storm, we're, we're entering a new normal where things are more extreme. I mean, I remember when we were reporting about those hot type temperatures, and I think people were thinking about the coral. You certainly were. You were sounding the alarm, and you have been for quite some time. But to draw these different connections, to really see this puzzle come together, and to have it be so long in the making, and the intensity. I mean, this is a rapid intensification that we're seeing in hurricanes, including Adalia. Is, is that intensification also a symptom of climate change? Exactly, because you've got these sort of warm blobs. The way you have a heat wave on land, they, those happen in the marine uh, world as well. And so right now, average temperature around the whole Gulf of Mexico is about 88 degrees, which is off the charts, what's normal. But if you get closer to the coast, where it's shallower, you get into the 90s. And when that storm water hits there, uh, it just charges up. But big picture, of course, fossil fuels at the root of this is supercharging these storms. At the same time, the Biden administration has decided after a pause to sell oil and gas leases in the Gulf of Mexico, much to the dismay of, of the climate supporters who say every ton we, we pump and burn makes these storms worse. And the irony is that the Gulf is about to open up in that way. But in the near term, uh, this is just a symbol that we have to adapt to what is already baked in. And from Maui dealing with fires, it's sort of the we suffer from a lack of worst case imagination, Laura, because we're going by sort of a, a, a storms of the past that are quaint in comparison to the conditions that are becoming more evident today. I mean, some parts of Florida never having experienced something like this, the normalization of parts of this, very scary. Just think about it. And just that spectrum from Maui to here. Bill, please stay safe. We rely on you so much. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks, Laura. Well, up next, the hidden costs of Hurricane Adalia, how it could impact wallets in ways, well, you may not even know about. As Hurricane Adalia is barreling down on Florida, the massive storm is likely to cause economic issues throughout the state and even beyond. With gas prices already approaching historic highs, 
for this time of year, the disruption in the Gulf Coast could send them even higher ahead of the Labor Day weekend. Joining me now to discuss CNN economics and political commentator Catherine Rempel. Catherine, I'm glad you're here tonight. Thank you. I mean, gas prices, as we mentioned, obviously matter less than people's lives, full stop. And the storm is still incoming. But the question people are asking right now is how could this storm possibly impact things like prices in the coming days and weeks ahead? Well, we've already seen disruptions to gas supplies within the state of Florida. People are filling up their cars, they're filling up their generators. That may be modestly moving prices, not to mention the fact that there's been a gasoline contamination issue um, that's been relatively widespread recently in the last couple of days in Florida. Uh, Beyond the state, I think it's too soon to say uh, whether we'll see any national impact on gasoline prices, in part because um, while there may be disruptions in supply to the state, the oil refineries that are nearby, that are closest by in the Gulf, look like they're out of the path. The oil that's actually extracted uh, nearby the state also seems like it's unlikely to be hit at this point. So, you know, in terms of actual uh, effects on national gas prices right now, it looks like they're likely to be limited. But this is potentially a catastrophic storm. So it's a little bit hard to uh, get a a handle on um, how all of the different kinds of terminals and other linkages within the gas, within the petroleum industry may be linked and affected. You know, Floridians are becoming increasingly accustomed, of course, to hurricanes and the insurance companies, frankly, have also become accustomed to it. And they have several of them have exited Florida just in recent years alone. So what do storms like these actually mean for homeowners going forward? Can they get insurance? Yeah, as you point out, a number of major insurers, homeowners insurance insurers, providers, uh, have already left the state. I think most recently farmers last month. They've gotten skittish, understandably, because Florida has been pounded by storm after storm. There's been a lot of uh, very expensive damage that the insurance companies have had to pay for. And so they've said, we're out. If this storm is as catastrophic as many fear it may be, that's certainly going to make that market even less stable. And you might see further insurers decide to pull out or at the very least prices go up within the state. And I think you might see some contagion effects elsewhere in the country as insurance companies get increasingly nervous about what had been, you know, once in a century storms, once in a century uh, natural disasters happening uh, on a quite regular basis mm-hmm. and, and put place, you know, hitting a blow to their bottom lines. Catherine Rempel, thank you so much for all the information. I always appreciate it. Everyone, stay with us. We are tracking the very latest movements of Hurricane Adalia. We've got an updated forecast next. Our breaking news, Hurricane Adalia bearing down on Florida's West Coast. Forecast to now become a Category 4 storm at landfall. Florida officials are warning the Big Bend area could experience a catastrophic storm surge. CNN's Chad Myers is in the CNN Weather Center. Chad, I mean, show us how these storm surges can be so dangerous. 
Yeah, especially where we're talking about a very flat piece of land. So here we are, 110 miles per hour. It's going to get to 130 before it makes landfall in about eight hours or so. It has been building this bubble of water underneath it now for hours, and it will eventually make landfall there in the Big Bend area of Florida. So yes, it's the water that's been building here, moving to the north. It's still moving, but all of a sudden land gets in the way. Down here, what's getting in the way? Maybe possibility of a tornado or two. That's not out of the question. But as this storm makes its way on up toward the Big Bend area, that's when the surge is going to be from Crystal City all the way over to Steenhatchee and possibly even into Apalachicola. That's where most of that surge will likely be. So let's get to it. This is what we're talking about. We're talking about a very flat piece of land. And why does that matter? Because when the water goes up a foot, literally your shoreline can lose 300 or 400 feet. And then if it goes up two feet, all of a sudden you've lost 1,000 feet. And if it goes up what they're forecasting, 10 to 15 feet, oh my gosh, how far inland is that going to go? And that will likely be miles, likely miles inland that this is going to push this water in here. This is an area, very fragile, it's wildlife. They're going to have to try to get out of the way. People are going to have to get out of the way. But boy, you just run away from the water because this surge is a very dangerous thing. Seeing it visually in front of us, it's something that's so stunning. Chad Myers, Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for watching. Don't go anywhere. CNN's live coverage of Hurricane Adalia continues right after this. We all do things our own way. And since the way that each of us sleeps is unique, you need a bed that fits you just the right way. Sleep Number Smart Beds make your sleep experience as individual as you are, using cutting-edge technology to give you effortless, high-quality sleep every night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $15.99. Save $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com.